You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And this week, we're covering a question that I found myself researching because, well, I'm sitting on this stuff and I've got to pay 30% for it. Why are my foreign cards worthless? Why? Why are they so worthless? That's what we're diving into. Let's get started. Yeah. So for me, it's always been interesting. It's been a regionality thing. Uh, I grew up in the, the mid Atlantic. So English cards weren't the premium, but we did get a lot of foreign into the area by way of uh, Spanish-speaking and uh, Portuguese language. But they were always devalued in standard because the English speakers didn't understand them. Move up to New England, not too far away from the Canadian border, and French cards become more popular within the ecosystem but nobody wants them, so we trade down. This is just regular. This isn't even accounting for foils. Lo and behold, at the same time, though, the GOAT is the Japanese foil. And we come to find out later, and so we're, I'm talking like from 7th edition all the way up through... Ninth uh, was... Or no, no Ravnica was I'm not even Russian. thinking about that one. Russian really hit big, so maybe like Zendikar. So from 7th yeah. edition to Zendikar, like foil jap through through zendikar block like foil japanese is the goat because it's print to expected demand in region like the number of players in region in yep. japan being the smallest region at the time like just made those foil super scarce then it became russian as the goat and from there that's really just kind of the knowledge i've kept because to me everything else has been niche and so as a more local vendor i don't really care necessarily about what things are in foreign language foil as long as it maintains appeal a broad appeal uh an easy one for a while was korean yeah alongside japanese because a lot yep. of people thought the language looked cool just like russian that's a lot of the appeal everything else was just kind of flavored to regionality localization or funny names yeah. uh, I know one person in my life that played uh, foil German cards because that was their shtick. Everybody else I know that liked German cards did it for the name. Yep. Uh, like, what is it? Der Uberfart was one. I forgot what piece of equipment that was. Dirkt and Dirkberg. Yep. Which just sounds like they took my job yep. to the extreme uh, is through the breach. Shadel Streamer is Skull yep. Clamp. And then, yep. of course, uh, Jägermeister Derfels. Like, you cannot yep. find that card on this planet. You cannot no. find Huntmaster of the Fells in German. Maybe in Europe, but, like, not yeah. not in the U.S. And after a while, like, RTR shifted things a little bit with the, I don't want to say overprinting, but the New World Order, we see a lot more printed, and things just kind of changed from there. And for me, it was very slow up until recently, and you mentioned this ahead of time and i was like oh damn like i haven't bought foreign foils to pimp anything in a while just if they've come through in collections yep. i don't look for 
foreign stuff anymore. Even the storm deck that I maintained for Legacies, uh, it's foreign, but that was my own doing. It wasn't because I thought it was pimp. Like, sure, maybe yeah. my LEDs or my onslaught fetches were, but outside of that, it was just like I stopped caring. And I'm curious where you were where you got to in this. So I, you know, it's very similar. You know, locally, it's I've got a couple legacy guys that are, you know, foil Japanese. That's the legacy language of choice because almost everything is available in Japanese. You get yeah. your duels altered by Scourge to be in Japanese, and it's fine. Uh, I it's been, I think I started to notice it about five or six years ago. Okay, and it was first I noticed it locally, and it was like, well, nobody really wants foreign stuff. Like, used to be, you know, you'd sell a case of Russian sealed to one guy mm -hmm. from every set and it was a different guy every set you could count on getting the foreign product from your distros and people would buy it and it got to the point where like some of the sets that came out like Kaladesh was a prime example uh, I remember in LGS having two Korean and one Japanese and they didn't sell for months Jeez. and I was like that's really weird because you know back in the Zendikar days you get a foil Japanese scalding tarn, you just won the won jackpot it. at the lottery. Yeah. You know, and I started going to GPs and I was like, you know, if I have this card foreign, you know, showing it to a vendor, I've got this card, it's foil Japanese, whatever, it's a legacy staple. And they're like, I'll give you less than English foil for it. I was like, wait a second. And then started seeing some foreign stuff come to me. And I was like, you know, I don't really like, I don't want to buy this. Yeah, because I'm going to sit on it because it doesn't have the liquidity it used to because it used to be before the propagation of, you know, Facebook groups, Discord, stuff like that, where people readily arbitrage what you found in foil Japanese, you had to search for months for. And suddenly I didn't have the ability to just offload that stuff. I, I will never forget a guy came up to me with a Korean fourth border howling mine. That's absurd. It's old border mm -hmm. seventh foil is as high end as it gets and then you have alpha beta and right below that is literally fourth edition korean above ninth edition foils because it's fourth edition in an incredibly desirable language and guy says you know what do you give it give me for this and i'm like i'm not going to insult you with an offer he goes no like i i'm just trying to get quotes man i was like all right whatever you know i'll give you looks it up 30 percent of english guy snapped it off Jeez, yeah because he's gonna sell like, forever i was like wait really and he goes you're the highest offer i've gotten in the room what and that's when it really clicked that i was like oh my lord like this belief that i have held for two decades almost mm -hmm. that i've been playing the game because that was about that was 2019 that that incident happened so for two decades i'd been playing the game and operating under the assumption as many people who weren't you know paying attention were like foreign's got to be worth more whatever it's harder to find blah 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 etc etc and then i just noticed wait no that was the moment where it clicked for me and i started paying attention to like okay let me see where i can get these cards well haruruya exists now mm -hmm. so if you can just go to a website based in japan and order your japanese foils how am i going to charge you a premium for that you just go on the internet and get it. I, as a store, suddenly have no incentive to stock this product. Mm -hmm. And it was just 
literally all of a sudden I as a store had no liquidity on this stuff. I didn't have the market exposure. I didn't have the player base that wanted it or it just got to be where, you know, I used to be a place that had all this stuff, but gradually those people stopped coming around and I just kind of stopped carrying it. Yeah. All right. Well, now there's no demand because there's no market. And cool. Now, yeah. And now you have nobody to move it to because nobody in the U.S. really wants to deal with it. Yeah. You, you touch on something interesting that, that kind of, you know, breeds conversation, which is, you know, Japanese is the love language of the legacy player. And that's just yep. kind of the, the way it's been because that's one of the, the languages that stands out from fourth edition onward. You know, you can't get your duels in Japanese. Like you say, you can get them altered, but almost everything else that you can play in that format comes in Japanese. Other languages yep. are not as prolific. And if they are, they're one of the romance languages. And not a lot of people, not a lot of uh, non native language speakers are interested in French, Spanish, Portuguese, or Italian. Yeah. So you go to Japanese. But when it comes to the way the games changed and possible reasons for the fallout of foreign cards, foreign foils, EDH is this huge pillar of the game, and foreign yeah. cards represent this accessibility issue, and EDH decks change all the time. And generally speaking, there are infinite versions of almost any card you play. So recognizing by art can be pretty difficult. Similarly with Legacy, you cast a card like Duress, and you know you pick the 7th edition art, which is unique, it, granted, it, white border and got a unique symbol. You should figure that one out pretty quickly. Yeah. But the rest of, you know, the Storm deck, the Delver deck, it's all the same. There's only one or two pieces of art. It becomes rote memorization and yeah. very easy to put the pieces together about what's going on when you see the cards played in front of you as an enfranchised player, which people generally are within the legacy format. And the same goes for Vintage, but not that much because you're looking at an even tighter era in the game where a lot of the cards actually just weren't printed in alt languages. Yeah. So there's an accessibility issue here that you have to get past, and a lot of players will still buy the cheapest version, which could end up being a foreign language version, but I would assume that a lot of players are like the ones that I see and I talk to, which is just they want to be able to understand their cards and they hope that that is a convenience extended to them by the other players yep. in their pod, be them local or external to their LGS ecosystem. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, coinciding, obviously, correlation, not causation, with this kind of decline in the foreign market was this explosion of a social format that was about politics and all this other stuff where it wasn't just, hey, I play the same 10 decks during extended season. I know what all these 10 decks do. I can read them. Yep. All of a sudden, you had a format where every single card ever printed was viable in every single language. And I've actually wondered if the explosion of EDH has been a larger contributor to the decline of the foreign market for the exact reasons you talked about. I want to understand my cards. I want my opponent to understand my cards because... EDH has a lot of complicated interactions. Yep. And it's easier to explain them if everyone can RTFC. Yeah. The the worst feeling in the world is uh like I play with the same people all the time and one of the things we'll often do is just throw commander cards into a pile face down 
and die roll to see who gets what, and handing somebody a deck and just have them lo- let them know, like, oh, there are a couple foreign cards in yeah. here. And, yeah, exactly, because they might not know what the... They may not know exactly what Lily Vest does anymore, or at yeah. all, or burgeoning, or... Yeah, yeah, these are just cards that I haven't farmed because it's whatever, this is what I got. Like, Yeah. So be it. And it, that's a huge feel-bad moment. And the other thing I kind of came to as I was thinking about this is, and I don't know when it started, but you mentioned... You know, Kaladesh in particular is that one bellwether moment for you with all these supplemental, not necessarily products, but like sets almost and ins- like- and inserts that create a new tier of pimp. Does that reduce the foreign market overall? Because you're like a lot of the foreign, like I mentioned up top, held a price point based on scarcity. Yeah. So even though these cards might only be in English, if they are a smaller population than we're used to normally, does that devalue those in the foreign market? Well, and I remember specifically Kaladesh, one of the interesting things was the masterpieces in both Kaladesh and Amonkhet were in English worldwide. Yes. But I don't know if you noticed, there was actually a sub-market because in the bottom of the card, it would still have the three-letter language abbreviation for the language of the booster it was pulled from. Oh, that's interesting. I don't remember that. No, I remember uh, specifically the the Kaladesh masterpieces had two different printing styles based if they were printed in the U.S. versus Europe. And I remember that yeah. submarket for a hot minute, but not the, the language-based one, which kind of coincides. Yeah. You have European it, it was languages just... and interesting because those sub languages all of a sudden or sorry those sub markets yeah all of a sudden evolving would later mirror what we're seeing now with a million variations in a million languages yes yeah. and like and i was kind of i was like pulling through and i was like i was looking through at everything i'm like we have expeditions intermass into masterpieces into invocations right and those are all box inserts similarly the box toppers that start with uma and move forward uh zendikar rising got them and then two different versions of mystical archives three different two different three different well three because the foiling is different in the japanese version english altar japanese and altar japanese foil right and those are all essentially pack inserts and then secret layers which are only printed in in english for the time being and also inset variants yeah so that's uh Full art, alt art. Retro, etched foil. Yeah. yeah. But the, the inset variants at least are multi-language. But th- yes. there's the, the question about Hitsugu and the Neon and the LGS tier level. Will they get English Hitsugus worldwide for yeah. WPN premium stores located outside, you know, region one, the Americas? We don't know, but these are all variants on cards, much like a regular foil is, or a a foreign card, that puts downward pressure on the price of everything else because these are, by population, rarer, and thus possibly more pimp. And it's it's interesting because you you would think that would be the case, Uh, especially, you know... And granted, the exception to this, I want to caveat this, 
is obviously that demonic tutor from Strixhaven. Whatever the mystical archives, uh, the mis- or the mystical yeah. archives, yeah, D tutor, the alt art that's like a thousand dollar foil because it's from the certain booster over in Japan. Whatever you would think it would follow this, but even then, outside of the mystical archive, I haven't been able to move any of these extended arts or anything that I've got in foreign languages. Yeah. Even literally, there's one of my really good friends is foil Japanese everything all the time. I got him a playset of because uh, he plays rug delver and legacy i was like well you'll probably only ever want two but here's you know i i have these foil japanese endurances and he's like i already pre-ordered them off howard i'm like okay <laughs> cool thanks appreciate it <laughs> yeah and it's it's still with all these variations and this extra scarcity because now you have the same number of booster pack slots maybe because collector's boosters exist uh with eight versions of the card that can come there instead of just one yep so which one do you go for and again i just haven't had the liquidity with those at all even though there is that increased scarcity not to mention you know obviously the eight versions for one slot but the production issues we've had for the last two years Mm -hmm. still didn't matter yeah outside of the mystic archives which were alt art japanese sure i haven't been able to move any of the foreign stuff it's it's been a challenge for me yeah i don't i over time i think the idea of the specialist vendor has kind of disappeared because you no longer need to work on importing yeah at, at all like you said you can just reach into hararuya or you know, it's not like this wasn't possible before, but you could just get a forwarding address in the EU and arbitrage yep. off MKM and just bounce it from there. You just got to pay the taxes, but it's not lucrative enough to do so when even my little LGS up here can get cases of Japanese and Russian product. Uh, yep. and, and another LGS over here just started stocking. I don't know why the uh, Altar Japanese mystical uh, mythic archive singles like just now. So that means somebody locally cracked this product and is selling it off, but like they've had some nothing detuned or level in the case, but there's been stuff yeah. sitting in there for months that's just not moving. Nobody cares, and it's just kind of like, well, what do you do? And you just go back to something we talked about a while ago, which is just like these are now player profiles, shopper profiles essentially, mm-hmm. and as a vendor, do you really care about? a small percentage of your shopping base being foreign foil or just foreign language collectors is that enough for you to want to open the spigot on your buy lists i i i've never worked with a vendor that wanted to do so um face to face probably being the only uh unique one and like everything we talk about in this regard should be caveated for vendors like canada and i don't know what goes on in europe with multi-language speaking countries but they have to accommodate both French and English speakers. That yep. is a, a law in uh, the province of Quebec. So I believe they have to deal with them both languages yeah. equally. I believe, I, I I don't remember, and I only worked U.S. events where we were buying English primarily. So, And I think that's that's a point is obviously, you know, typically that would not be the case. Um, and I, I remember even at Moonbase, you know, there we had some foreign foils because for the larger events people would come in and want foreign foils but our turning the spigot was 
well, we pay 60 to 65% on everything except your foreign foils. Mm-hmm. Probably pay in between 40 to 50, but only place locally you can get rid of them. Yeah. So if you can't make it to a GP to get one of the larger vendors that deals with GPs, it's your only choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, player profile, was that really worth it? Well, we had a lot of case space, so we could afford to do that. But some of the other LGSs with, like, two or three displays, and that's it, there's no way they could do that. Yeah. Wait. And I assume, like, there's a difference between a vendor that's reliant on their website and a vendor that is reliant on shows to move cards like this. Because if I'm working a Troll and Toad and somebody wants to sell me at a show a Japanese LED, I know that has to go back on the website. And so I'm I'm going to make an offer because it's something interesting to come back with, but I'm not going to give yeah. them a great offer. I, I, It's almost worse to not offer than to miss. Yes, I agree with that. And I would expect to not pick it up because it has to go on my website. That's where I serve. But if I'm going to be yep. taking it back or it's, I'm going to be taking it to shows a la, you know, Moose... Yeah. then I feel fine offering on a high-end foreign piece like that. It's the difference between a card that looks good in a case because it opens binders and a card that moves. Yeah. Because based on where you're going and what your foot traffic is, that may actually be a desirable card. But based on what I've been doing lately, foreign stuff is anathema. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. And... You know, there's been times where people have been like, hey, I have this largely foreign lot. And I'm like, well, I'll give you 30%. It's mm-hmm. all I can do. And I think that maybe that has contributed to it as well as the lack of these large events where you can go to a Tails or an ARG or wherever and be like, hey, guys, I got these foreign. Can I dump them to you because those vendors just don't exist anymore. Galactus was good for European stuff too, weren't Oh they? yeah, Galactus was great yeah. Um, but just not having that access all of a sudden has dried up the market as well because you know, some, something I've seen with prices uh, a lot of times falls true in the market. Vendors aren't paying as much on foils right now. Foils are harder to move. Yeah when you're buying them off of a website and you can't look at every angle on the card to see if there's scratches on the surface or scuffing like you can in a booth. Mm-hmm. And I I wonder if maybe that has had something to do with it as well, but I haven't really noticed an excel or an acceleration in the decline of the market while events haven't been happening, but I'm sure that has to contribute to it because now as a player, I'm going to pick this card up and I know realistically there's a chance I get rid of it one day. Yeah, yeah. Would I rather have the $10 English one that I can resell later? Or would I rather get the $8 non-foil Japanese one that I'm going to sell for less later? And I think that may have played into it as well. Yeah, I I think those are all really good points. And I I think that kind of like, for me, it kind of ends the topic because there's just you know, not much more to talk about in regards to this market. It's shrinking. Yeah. You know, we talked about why and like moving forward, you just got to kind of understand that it's not here right now. It might not come back for a number of reasons and you've got to you know decide to move accordingly. You know, not to say gone are the days of arbitraging language 
across the world via travel, oh. but like again, that doesn't really exist, so it's a lot harder than it used to be, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, anything else, though, from like the, the LGS perspective? Because it's never really been an avenue that I've experienced. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, you know, and this is kind of a behind-the-scenes thing. So it used to be that uh, foreign boosters and stuff were a little bit more than your English boxes. Mm -hmm. So you could, all right, I'll charge a little bit more for the box not really the case as much anymore and i think that you know the way they've started designing sealed product from the lgs's i've talked to uh, obviously you have draft boosters set boosters everything else you know if they're going to sit on boosters because people aren't coming out to draft there's not as many packs being opened in store mm -hmm. whatever they don't want to sit on something like the same LGS I mentioned with the Kaladesh and the Aether Revolt boxes, you know, the Korean and Japanese that they just sat on. They used to be the LGS to go to for foreign sealed product. And talking to them, they're like, I mean, the reality is we're not getting 20 to 30 person weeklies anymore. We haven't for the last two years for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. We don't have the player base to stock that stuff anymore. And even if the player base returns, we don't know if we're going to. And I asked why, and they said, because we don't need it. Mm -hmm. Because if the player base comes back without us having this product, it was never about the product being there. So why eat up the inventory space? Why eat up the capital on something that is just going to be a shelf turn? Yeah. Now, uh, sorry to interrupt, just before I forget, so um, not insert sets with standing. So let's just take a look at you know, um, call, yeah, sure, call time. Sure, yeah. To turn a profit on that set after it rotates out of standard, is it still like the five year hold for something like that in foreign, or do you have to wait? Is it less? Do you know by any chance? It's what i've spoken to lgs's here about is basically it's if we can't sell it when it's in standard sunk cost fallacy be okay accepting a loss okay which is a drastic change you're right because it used to be if i've got a foreign box i'm gonna hold it for five years and then sell it and i'll quadruple up at least yep. no problem even in the new world order of printing quad up no problem and now more and more lgs's and even some of the bigger vendors are like, look, I'm dumping it as soon as I can because I don't want to sit on this for five years and not be able to move it for another five years after that. Yeah, I'll recoup the money, recoup whatever money in space they can and move on with their lives. Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, oddly, same vendors that are holding on to as many AFR collector boosters as they can. They'll hold on to collector boosters now but they're not even holding on to set boosters anymore. Oh yeah, because I, I, I that I understand. Yeah. The yeah the the rate of return on those is going to be a lot more for a lot less investment when you're investing time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we've as we talked about early on, the issue with sealed product is the time it takes and the space. Yep. So when a CVB takes up less space and can churn in less amount of time. It makes more sense overall to use that as, you know, in quotes here, investment vehicle 
than yeah. a Seth booster. So, but that, the, that's interesting to hear from the LG side of things. Um, like I said, I've only had experience with a large vending side, of, and it's basically been the same as I described for almost everybody that doesn't face. So yeah, pretty much. Um, are you good for picks? Let's do it. Uh, I think you went first last week, so yep. I'll cut out this first this week. So uh, for me, I'm going with uh, Ramming Up Excavator, a card I've been watching for about seven months now. And this is something I, I really didn't think would recover as quickly as it did after its reprinting and subsequent fallout of Modern, and maybe it was the verse, uh, reverse. I don't really remember which. But when I added it, Card King was buying sixteen at two dollars. They're now buying seventy at two thirty. Yeah, exactly. Right. That that's the correct phase to make with when they're buying, you know, almost five times as many. Yeah. So Raminap Excavator is basically just Crucible of World with legs and a green CMs uh a, yeah, a green color identity. And this plays in a, you know, lands as utility style deck. Uh in EDH or constructed, especially when you're moving them from any zone into the graveyard for value. So that could be from your hand, from your library, from the battlefield. And because it just allows you to play it back, you know, cha-ching. Because once it's in the graveyard, it's almost more accessible, which is kind of yeah. odd. So uh, as discussed previously, the quote-unquote lands matter or quote-unquote lands as utility style of decks allow for a number of unique and interesting play patterns, meaning that they appeal to a large swath of the EDH player base. I picked a number of cards to kind of fill this theme, and I think they are... It's always a fantastic look, the the lands theme. And, you know, from Tatiova to uh, the Gitrog Monster to Slogurk to all the Omnaths, they all contain Excavator as part of their value engine and core. And this really isn't a degenerate card. It's more of a value engine, as I said, and as such, this casts a wider appeal and catches less heat than something like Moldrotha as a card in the deck or the general. You don't have to combo out. You can just accrue incremental advantage, refetching lands or just drawing a card and gaining life, etc. And we've seen a number of new commanders that can take advantage of the ability to replay lands from the graveyard, like Kadama of the East Tree, which is in Commander Legends, Slogurk from one of the new Innistrad sets, and uh, AC, also from Commander Legends. So this does not look to be slowing down with the channel lands in Kamigawa, allowing to allowing you to accrue even more value from replaying them from your graveyard and making them available for quote-unquote recycling with things like the Ravnica Bounce Lands. So Watsi's just full steam ahead on the Lands Matter plan. And as far as constructed formats are concerned, Excavator does wax and wane depending on the context of any of the formats that it's legal in, but it does see play in every constructed format it is legal in. Right now it's seeing more play in Vintage than it is in Modern hands down the interesting thing is with this we're currently plateaued on the open market as individuals look to sell but buyless price and quantity continue to rise and i would expect a rise in price as we head into the spring and get commander legends 20 2022 in the summer double masters 2022 and in the fall jumpstart 2022 none of which we know the themes for but if we continue to see the quote-unquote Lands Matter cards printed in supplementals, uh, in a supplemental 
in a year or two, I expect, sorry, in a supplemental or two a year, I expect a rise in price, which puts us about six months out for resale the buy list to the open market. If we don't have any additional decent support, I suspect we'll see movement about a year out. So I just listed all the supplemental sets we're getting for the, the rest of the year. And there's, I expect no way that we don't get a land a lands matter card in there somewhere, be it new or a reprint. So this does preclude anything that happened uh, or get printed into modern or older formats that puts pressure on this card. You know that possibility always exists. It remains a strong reason why I like buying into this card now. The reprint equity is kind of interesting because it did catch a reprint in Commander Legends, and my expectation is that this lives in supplemental products when they need another quote-unquote lands matter sub theme but because this is also a constructed playable card this won't really this reprint won't really impact as much of uh the price point the demand will be there for from the constructed side of things to just pull it uh pull out what what is needed I think this pick is great mainly because I can play it in legacy again now that Ragavan is banned and I can play Maverick uh, it's interesting that the exact point you touched on is one of the reasons that I think this is a good pick is the fact that it does see play in every single format, including vintage. Uh, because, you know, obviously lands matter as we've both touched on in picks and I'll touch on in mine for months now. It's one of those themes that Watsi constantly revisits one or two cards at a time and typically a supplemental set. And all of those cards are one or two cards away from just being busted in half. You know, all Dark Depths needed was Thespian Stage. And all of a sudden, the card's insane. Yeah. And the fact that it fits a very global EDH theme as well. I'm fixing my own mana. I'm recovering from strip mines. And I'm in a color that puts lands all over the place and ramps. It has absurd liquidity. It has really good playability. And I think that you are correct in saying that, like, we're probably not getting a reprint anytime soon, but we will get cards that synergize with it over the next year. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the most important parts, too. I didn't realize, like, I play green in a ton of my EDH decks because Cultivating Kandama's Reach are S tier cards in the format. Yeah. So I never realized how easy it is to just grab another lands matters card off the pile. I'm usually using green yeah. to supplement. I, I didn't even mention Titania, which came out in modern horizons too. Right. Yeah. You just go down the list and I had it up on stocks not too long ago. And there's so many from within the last year and you go out another year past that. And that's where you see like two or three on mass Azusa gets reprinted and, uh, Mina and Den, I think, catch a reprint as well, kind of putting it into this conversation. Uh, Multani is a little further out. Rada, Erdekel, and, and M21 yeah. alongside Azusa, right? Like, there's just so many options for you to work with lands in any capacity. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, it's an approachable strategy or mechanic, synergy, the lands matter thing. Yep. Yeah. It's approachable, and it can be spiky. So it hits that mass appeal of your casual players, yeah. your competitive players, and everything in between. Yeah. And that's just huge. Absolutely. Uh, 
if I had if I had this when I was playing uh, Child of Alara, bef even before the commanders go hit the graveyard and then go back to the command zone fix, I would have just slammed this in there. The deck was like 50 plus lands. Yep. And most of them were creature lands. So I was using them for various odds and ends and upcycling them would be great. At that point in time, I had Crucible and that was it. And, and you still did it. Yeah. And now you can have it on a body that you can green sun or survival for. Yeah. Or Warly Tutor, what have you. Yeah. So. No, I. Solid. Thank you. All right. Mine, which you did mention. Yeah. Uh, Besaidu Who Endures. Why? When this card's pre ordering for $35 on Card Kingdom and sold out. I'm specifically saying the extended art version. Here's why. What happens every set release? Race to the bottom. What also happens every set release? Prices on these pre-order cards, like, decrease 10x. So it may be pre-ordering for $35, but it's a rare from what I'm going to guess is going to be a set that outsells Dominaria. Call me crazy. Called shot right there. Kamigawa will be the best-selling set in the history of Magic. Anyways, on the day the set releases, this card is going to tank. I think, and I tend to do this with many set releases, this is the card that has the best long-term growth potential, especially based on a race to the bottom. Okay. As you touched on, there's ways to recycle value here. It is, importantly, you have to stifle and naturalize in a color that loves naturalize effects. Ah. Uh, so, stifle... Trick bind, sorcerer spyglass, pithing needle. I was thinking about this the other day. Yes. Yep. Uh, and sure, it ramps them, but this is something that is going to see play in every competitive format because it is an uncounterable answer to not just artifacts and enchantments, but I think a lot of people miss this non basic lands. lands. Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. Modern has a ton of Valakut decks right now, Tron exists. The Taxes decks exists with a bunch of Ghost Quarters and other stuff. And then you get into Legacy and Vintage, where you have Workshop, Bazaar, uh, Library, in addition to all of the Dark Depths decks. This card is insanely powerful. And to me, is one of the two best cards printed in this set spoiled so far. Granted, the other one's a common, but whatever. I think timeline-wise, you may be looking a little bit longer. And the reason for that is, one, we're getting out of the production issues. You're going to race to the bottom, and I would want to maximize margins on this one. Okay. So I would be looking at probably 8 to 12 months rather than 3 to 6. And part of that is because I genuinely do expect Neon Dynasty to be the most open set in years. And if that happens, that's actually good for us. Mm -hmm. Because the price of Buseju who endures goes even lower. And I guarantee you this is the type of card that, while it's not going to be a four of in most decks, it's probably going to be a two of. Not to mention, I don't know any green EDH deck that doesn't want to run this card. Sure, I can't fetch for it. Whatever. Again, uncounterable naturalize. Yeah. That is also a wasteland effect. It's insane. And this is, you know, again, if you don't get this, pay attention to the card you want out of Neon Dynasty. On release day, load your TCG up, 
expect it to crash a million times, expect them to have an eight-hour sale that gets extended to 16 because their website crashes like it does every set release, but have your card picked. At the race to the bottom, buy it when it bottoms out. And if you're like me, you're going to be going for Besaju who endures. Yep. I, I like the potential of of this card overall. I, I think it's it's a it's a really good look and it's a really good pick because it looks to impact the game at a at a fundamental level the way not a lot of cards do especially yeah. something that's got a colored pip you know uh, pithing needle had that effect it it impacted yeah. every format that it could possibly yep. be in and still does and this is a card that slots into everything. We, I've been, I, I understand the power of the card overall, and I don't understand how in any format that isn't modern, this doesn't become a one to four of across the 75 index. Yeah. Modern is this weird beer right now, but I do expect it to see play there. Yeah. So... I, I expect this everywhere. And for a card that looks to be possibly reshaping formats, I think any price we get towards the bottom is the correct place to be for this card. There's there's nowhere to go but up. And I think right now the price that we're seeing is kind of tempered expectations because yeah. this isn't a threat in the sense that it closes games. This isn't no. Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's an answer. Yes, exactly. And I, I think, honestly, the fact that it is an answer is why I am higher on it than I would be on other cards. Specifically because, typically, answers don't get touched. Yeah. You don't ban Swords to Plowshares. You don't ban Fatal Push. You don't ban Naturalize or Wasteland, which is basically what this is. What you ban is stuff like Stoneforge Mystic or, like you said, Jace. It's a threat. It applies pressure. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this isn't means I'm comfortable going, like, quantity-wise, nigh unlimited. I, it's It just seems so good. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the only thing that... I care about when it comes to this card is just watching the price and yeah. waiting to make sure that like this the first set that I buy I would consider my play set and then anything mm -hmm. after that becomes my sit on it set yeah and I want to make sure I get in at the best possible price for that for the play set I'll shell out whatever I have to because this goes in everything yeah I it and it's something that Speaking to EDH, again, every green deck wants this card. Yeah. Similar to Ramanop Excavator. Every green deck wants it. So if my playset is in four EDH decks, that's fine. I definitely want my playset. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't see a reason why people wouldn't buy in on this. It's very rare that we see cards that just say, scream ubiquity. Or as we're seeing now, it's becoming rarer to see cards that don't scream hey i'm for edh only but boy am i gonna be really good in edh and this yeah. is both yeah which i honestly i don't remember a card that fit both criteria like that 
in a long time. No, I don't. I don't think. Uh, at least not at set release. Besides, like a Modern Horizon set, like Murktide, Ragavan, Urza Saga. I, I think it, you mentioned it already. I think it's Fatal Push. Yeah, I, I can't probably. Yeah. I can't think of another card that I've even looked at from a standard release with eternal playability to go all the way down to vintage. Yeah, that's the yeah. important part. Is to go all the way down to vintage. That that threshold is so incredibly high. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Ah, uh, duh. Um, the is it spell? Oh, yeah, exp- exp- uh, iteration. Iteration, expressive iteration. Yeah, okay. fair, yeah. That's it. Fatal push and then that. It's like between those yeah. two, it's like nothing else has happened. Consider is cool, but it's not like vintage cool, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, and I think this is just going to be a perennially good card. And if, I think if history has taught us anything, it's that they don't reprint these lands that often outside of weird supplementals. Um, we saw a Basaju who shelters all reprint in From the Vault Realms. Yeah, and that's it. Hall of the Bandit. Well, and it's plain specific again. Exactly. Hall of the Bandit Lord, Iganjo Castle. Shizo does Storehouse. Oh, there's one in um, the one that draws cards. Ah, Mikokoro. Yeah, Mikokoro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think that was like the only original Kamigawa land that was reprinted in anything, and that was put in a set essentially for EDH players. There's yeah. no reason why this card should cost $20, quote Watsy. So throw it in a master set and uh, defeat Call it a day. Yeah, defeat the yeah. scarcity boss. So, yep. No, I, I I love the pick. It's just like Ragavan. It's you know, you got to you got to understand what you're looking at. You got to understand what your timing is. You got to understand what your timeline is. And the fact that this is in standard like we do every now and again is always that good point to remember like there are cards to spec on. You got to understand when your timing is, and you got to understand what your timeline and your quantities are. So, yep. For me, I like it. But I think that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you next week. We are at NTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, and Facebook. The video podcast goes up on YouTube every Wednesday around eight thirty. The audio podcast can be heard anywhere. You can listen to a podcast but until next week i am at halt i am reptar on twitter you are at thirsty sizzler see you next week